Good afternoon and welcome to The Briefing. My name is Cliff Wilson and I'm a partner at Smith Freed and Eberhard. Today is December 2nd and we have an Oregon legal alert for you titled, A Costly Miscalculation. Oregon Court of Appeals finds that multiple defendants' separate settlement offers may not be aggregated when determining whether to award attorney fees under Oregon's infamous ORS 20.080. Before we begin with a legal alert for today, I have a couple of announcements. We have a claims training webinar on Oregon premises liability taking place next Thursday, December 9th. Smith Freed Eberhard partners Ryan McClellan and Sean Connor will be discussing Oregon premises liability, including recent legal developments and a review of real-world examples. You can register online at smithfreed.com on our legal resources webpage. As always, we love to hear from you, so please send us your feedback, and if there is a webinar topic you'd like for us to cover in the future, please let us know. Also, feel free to reach out to us anytime if you would like to have any kind of training that's designed specifically for your company or team regarding Oregon or Washington law. So let's go ahead and get started. This alert, a costly miscalculation, Oregon Court of Appeals finds that multiple defendants' separate settlement offers may not be aggregated when determining whether to award attorney fees under ORS 20.080. So many of you know that uh, uh, Oregon's low-dollar tort statute, or low-dollar statute as it's referred to sometimes, ORS 20.080, is a bit of a unique and troublesome uh, construct of the Oregon legislature. And uh, it it has led to quite a bit of litigation uh, with regard to the attorney fee exposure that it sometimes creates, oftentimes without intention. But in Oregon, ORS 20.080 can create big headaches in otherwise low-value cases by giving rise to the award of attorney fees to the plaintiff. How the court will calculate when the application of attorney fees under the statute will apply or not can sometimes lead to the difference between a pragmatic early settlement and a large attorney fee exposure, or a case that turns into a large attorney fee exposure. Any of you that have talked about ORS 20.080 with me know that I tend to refer to it as a statute that creates a lot of uh, cases that Uh, end up being the tail wagging the dog a little bit when it comes to a relatively low-dollar demand, and then the attorney fees that are related to that demand um, become the biggest issue, really, in the case, and that oftentimes it's it's best to try to stop the bleeding with regard to the exposure for attorney fees in these kind of cases as quickly as possible. But the claims pointer for this case is that when attempting to resolve an ORS 20.080 case, it is important to keep in mind how the court might calculate a judgment and how that might compare to any pre-filing or pre-suit offers that are made. In Calais v. Henriksen 2, the Oregon Court of Appeals determined that it was improper to aggregate separate pre-filing settlement offers from multiple defendants when comparing the offers with a judgment that's ultimately entered, jointly and severally in this case, against the defendants for the purposes of determining whether or not attorney fees should be awarded under the statute. This case highlights how important it is to consider how a court might calculate the amount of an offer of judgment against multiple defendants when those defendants had previously made separate 
pre-filing or pre-suit settlement offers under the statute. So the facts in this case are are fairly uh, typical. Julie Calais, the plaintiff, was driving in Portland when she was rear-ended by John Henriksen II. And then almost immediately afterward, plaintiff was rear-ended again by Brian Ivan. Prior to filing suit, plaintiff made a written demand on both Henriksen and Ivan, collectively the defendants, by sending each of them a separate demand letter for $10,000. In response, Henriksen made a pre-suit settlement offer to plaintiff, pursuant to ORS 20.080, of $5,017.88. Ivan, in turn, uh, also received a demand letter for $10,000 and made a pre-suit settlement offer of $4,983.60. Plaintiff ended up filing suit against both Henriksen and Ivan, seeking $10,000 in damages she alleged was caused by both defendants' negligence. So the complaint that was actually filed sought just $10,000 from both of the defendants, as opposed to $10,000 from each separately. After suit was filed, defendants made a joint offer of judgment or an offer to allow judgment which basically offered to allow the plaintiff to enter a judgment against them, the defendants, in the amount of $10,000 jointly and severally. Plaintiff accepted that offer of $10,000 and then sought an award of costs and attorney fees under ORS 20.080, claiming that her recovery against the defendants was higher than the pre-suit offers that they individually had made prior to the commencement of the lawsuit. Defendants objected to the award of attorney fees, arguing that ORS 20.080 fees do not apply because defendants' separate pre-filing offers of $5,1788 and $4,983.60 totaled $10,001.48 in aggregate. And they said that that amount was higher than the judgment that was ultimately awarded against both of them. The trial court held that since the aggregated pre-settlement offers of the defendants exceeded the amount plaintiff received as a result of accepting the combined offer of judgment, plaintiff was not entitled to reasonable attorney fees under the statute because the prosecution of the case was unnecessary. And and by that, the court was saying, look, plaintiff would have recovered more by settling with those two pre-filing settlement offers than she ultimately did by suing. On appeal, the Court of Appeals reversed and remanded the case, holding that the trial court erred in denying plaintiff's request for ORS 20.080 attorney fees. Quick review of the law in this case, um, and ORS 20.080 in particular. The Oregon Court of Appeals noting that the purpose of ORS 20.080, as defined by the legislature, is to encourage settlement of small claims. So claims that are under $10,000 that oftentimes plaintiffs may not be able to find an attorney to help prosecute uh, their claims if it was purely on a uh, contingency fee basis. So the legislature has said, look, we're going to have this statute in place. It's to encourage settlement of small claims and to prevent insurance companies and tortfeasors, defendants, from refusing to pay uh, otherwise appropriate or just claims, and also to discourage plaintiffs from inflating their claims. Uh, 
the court looked at that statutory direction and interpreted the statute through an analysis by looking at the text of the statute at issue and determined that there are four requirements for a plaintiff to be entitled to attorney fees under ORS 20.080. Citing Johnson v. Swaim, an Oregon case from 2007, the court said, in order to qualify for attorney fees under the statute, first the plaintiff must have filed an action in which the amount pleaded was $10,000 or less. So under 20.080, if you if you file a complaint that says $15,000, it doesn't trigger 20.080's application. Second, the plaintiff must have prevailed in that action. They must have actually had a judgment entered or otherwise uh, prevailed without an express settlement that led to a dismissal. Third, the plaintiff must have made a written demand on the defendant for uh, for payment of such claims at least 30 days before filing the action. And then fourth, the judgment that the plaintiff ultimately obtained in the action must be greater than any pre-filing settlement offer made by the defendant. And again, 20.080 has been litigated quite a bit, and there is several uh, Court of Appeals cases examining it just because of this issue of attorney fees. In this case, the Oregon Court of Appeals held that if the plaintiff satisfies these procedural requirements, then the court must award a, quote, reasonable amount of attorney fees to the plaintiff. So the analysis that was applied here was that the Oregon Court of Appeals determined that in this case, plaintiff met all four of the requirements for the application of attorney fees under the statute. Under the first requirement, plaintiff did file suit seeking $10,000 or less in total damages against both the defendants. The court also then held that the pre-suit demand letters plaintiff sent to both defendants separately requesting $10,000 from each of them did not really matter because plaintiff ultimately only pled $10,000, not $20,000, from both of them when she actually filed her suit. Second, defendant offers to allow judgment against both of them in the amount of $10,000 jointly and severally, and then plaintiff accepted that offer to allow. Therefore, plaintiff prevailed in the matter because she did obtain a judgment against the defendants, quote, jointly and severally, in the amount of $10,000. She won her case. Third, plaintiff made separate written demands to each defendant for the claims at issue within the appropriate time frame, and that was those pre-filing offers, and under the statute, you got to give at least 30 days uh, before you file suit. Fourth, because each defendant is jointly and severally liable for the full amount of the damages, the Court of Appeals held that the trial court erred by aggregating or adding together the defendant's separate settlement offers. The Court of Appeals noted that if one defendant cannot or does not pay plaintiff because of that confirmation or acceptance of joint and several liability, then the other defendant is liable for the entire amount of the judgment. That's that's basically what joint and several liability means, is that plaintiff can collect from one or the other, or both, uh, up to the amount of the judgment. But because of that, uh, because one defendant is liable for the entire amount of the judgment and vice versa, the Court of Appeals concluded that because plaintiff can enforce the whole amount or could enforce the whole amount of the judgment against either defendant, the trial court should have compared the amount tendered by each defendant on its own against that ultimate $10,000 judgment awarded to the plaintiff. Therefore, because 
neither of the defendants' separate offers were was more than that $10,000 judgment ultimately entered, plaintiff was entitled to attorney fees under ORS 20.080. So the big picture here is that an award of attorney fees under 20.080 can turn a relatively small, low-dollar case or claim into a very expensive one because of the application of attorney fees. Defendants and their insurers should be very careful to make sure that they comply with statutory requirements when they seek to avoid attorney fee awards under the statute, particularly when they are evaluating whether to attempt to resolve the case through an offer of judgment after suit's been filed. When more than one defendant is involved in an action, each defendant must examine the statutory requirements of 20.080 and determine how the court will likely apply the statute to their respective pre-filing offers, assuming pre-filing offers are made, and the ultimate outcome to determine whether they might be on the hook for attorney fees at the end of the day. So again, kind of a complex case or an interesting case, I guess maybe not so complex, but it is uh, it does highlight a situation that comes up quite a bit when plaintiffs send out these send these demand letters out potentially to more than one defendant, and then ultimately ends up filing suit. How can you go about looking for ways to stop the bleeding on a 20.080 case and and not ultimately get hit with attorney fees? So thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of The Briefing. If you would like to access uh, or like to have access to more of these legal alerts, content regarding Oregon and Washington case and statutory law or claims help manuals, then please reach out to us or visit our website to explore our legal resources section. Again, my name is Cliff Wilson, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you, and have a great rest of the week.